guys. Welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And we missed you guys. We know we didn't have an episode out on Monday. We were really wiped out from the rally. We didn't want to do you guys a disservice. So we uh, hopefully there's a little bit of pleasure delay going here. You guys have you guys have your <laughs> Everyone Overcrest Everyone was in back. withdrawal. Yeah, everybody was in withdrawal. Although a lot of people were out having fun out on the rally. So yeah. it wasn't really that big of a deal. It was a lot of fun. Do yeah. we want to recap the rally a little bit here? We could re- I didn't really do the rally. So I, I don't even really know. I drove some of it, of course. You know, I, Question, I was wondering, have we ever said what cars are in the song or in our intro? Have we ever said what cars are in the intro for our for the podcast? Maybe, but probably not. I, most people probably don't. Know. Okay, so it's uh, it's my car. Right. Is one of the, the one that the early 911. The early night that doesn't sound as good as the other one, which is a, uh, a 2.8 RSR. Which is basically the old race car. Yeah, yeah. So that's the two, high butterfly RSR exhaust. It's it's uh, it's my buddy's car. It's um. RSR specs, like total race motor. Actually, one of the 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 hardest cars I've driven because it, it's like the the throttle response on that thing is so ridiculous oh. that your clutch engagement is like any- just this micro millimeter of clutch engagement <laughs> that you have. That it's like it's like you have to. Wait for the clutch to engage, and you have to punch the throttle. Right, otherwise it'll just kill on It'll you. just kill it. And the throttle response on that thing is nuts. But those are the two cars they that are in They say the, the uh, Carrera GT from 2004, whenever that was released, is exactly the same one. I bet it is. It's, like, the, impossible to, like, smoothly start out that car. I heard the clutch on that thing is, like, six yes, inches wide. exactly. It's like this little tiny yeah, little clutch. Yeah, there's, like, it thing just revs. There's no resistance to revving. So how was the rally, Jake? You went on it. was it. awesome. I, did, I didn't go on the rally. I basically got up super early, hung out at the spot where everybody got all their, their swag and their maps and their shirts and everything else like that, and then I, I bailed right and went down to the next meetup spot. Was, there, was it good? It was awesome. So I kind of took the role of leading everyone who didn't have another group to go with. I, I called it the... Uh, the island of misfit toys, you know, we have. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I was the group of misfit car guys. Yeah, that's okay. Most so, people go off in their little groups, but some people are. Loners. So it was an awesome eclectic mix, and we had an awesome time. The people were amazing. The cars were really cool. We had a lot of really cool cars out there this year. Yep. The roads were even more amazing, and just the things you get to see. Yeah, it's it's it nice awesome. being out there and exploring and being on the roads. And you know, I'll reiterate it to everybody else that's not from here. But we have listeners in California and out on the East Coast and even in Europe and wherever. The roads that we have in the Mississippi River Valley are some of the best. There's, It's not like the crazy vistas that you get when you're in the mountains, obviously. But the rhythm and the pacing of the roads is really Lack of traffic, really too. And there's no one around except horse and buggies and the Amish and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's, it's that combination that makes it some of the best roads in the country. And what's interesting, a lot of people around here don't even know. They don't know. Even the locals don't know. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people on the rally were like, I had no idea. These roads were down here. Well, don't tell anyone. (laughs) (laughs) All right. This news episode is brought to you by our Patreons, and we really appreciate the guys that support the show at patreon.com slash overcrest. You know, five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month. Uh, even all the more, way up to twenty five dollars a month. You can pay a year in advance if you like. It really, really, really helps out the show. Keeps the lights on here. Plus, you get exclusive content. I was going to say it's just not altruistic. You also do get things for your contribution. Yeah. Every month we do an exclusive episode. It is sometimes deep dives into automotive history. Other times it's kind of behind the scenes looks at what we're doing. You read some of your uh, automotive journalism that. Yep. A lot of people haven't seen or heard. It's it's a really cool way to keep engaged with us and to support the content that you love. And if you're all sh- caught up on the show, there's like another 20 episodes or something. Exactly. You can, get, you can get there. All right. So we have some other news. Let's get into the news. A little sad news. Eddie Van Halen. 
the legendary guitar innovator and virtuoso who led, of course, Van Halen, has recently died on Tuesday after a long battle with cancer. He was 65 years old. I uh, I don't know. I guess I've mentioned it a few times, uh, but I used to play guitar back in the day. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a, a basically a moving van filled with pornography that we would sit and jam out on with is me and my buddies. Is that relevant to the story? It totally is, because it basically was like... <laughs> it sets the image. It sets the image. I, it's it's 14 and 15-year-old me uh-huh. in a U-Haul moving van behind a shed. Why is this van fun- sitting here? It's it's my grandpa's got this van. I don't know. Okay. I have no okay. idea. It's basically a panel van, just a big sure. one. Like that, that you get UPS stuff in. The, yeah, the, no, the, I got gotcha. you. Okay. And basically what we did is we took all our... I don't know how, but we jammed a drum set in there and, oh and a bass stack and two guitar stacks in this moving van and just cut out pornography, put it all over those. It wasn't <laughs> even all good. I mean, it wasn't even all good because we didn't have much. Right. No, we're 15 years old. We had get. like five magazines. of like, oh, everybody that's naked in here is going on the wall. <laughs> so we put them all over the wall and then we ran, <laughs> and then we ran an extension cord all the way out there, oh which is goodness. probably like 150 yards of extension cord. And my grandpa being like, where's my extension cords? And they're just like draped across the whole field, the whole yard. And I remember one time my grandma was a very sweet lady, is a very sweet lady. <laughs> and we're in there jamming out, you know, rocking out, yeah, just playing Metallica or whatever we, uh, whatever we could. I could never play anything like um, Eddie Van Halen did. Rhythm section stuff, yeah, I could do all the rhythm section stuff. It's the guitar anything. solos, though. It's the solos that are really, really hard. I just didn't have the, I just didn't have it. I didn't have the talent. I didn't right. have the skill. And my, I remember my grandma uh, coming out <laughs> with like a plate of snacks. Yep. Oh, jeez. And she slides open the door, and her eyes, she was mortified. <laughs> mortified. Because that was basically oh, like Chris. nothing. Nope. There was no nothing <laughs> like that. It was slowly it was close like, the door again and leave. <laughs> no, it was, it was uh, hey, guys. I don't remember exactly how it yeah, went. Because a long time ago. But it was like, hey, guys, here's your snacks. Bye. You know, and she was just like out <laughs> of there. On. You guys were jamming with the door closed in this enclosed space. Yes. What? Exactly. I, it was. I cannot Do you have believe had I any could, hearing left. I must have some sort of hearing damage. And we had like a stereo in there too, and we would rock out. And, oh my goodness! And I, if we could have somehow gotten that thing to run, it would oh, have been just been imagine like just carting this thing around. Because we used to play in. Uh, <laughs> you know, I had this. Um, for anybody that knows guitars, I had a custom. K U S T O M is the name of the company, and it was this huge. They're the ones that are all puffy. Like they look like vinyl, but they're all puffy on the sides. Like the guitar, pleated. No, the, my stack, my amp, my amp. Oh, stack. okay, gotcha. And it had a big horn on the top, like that you would see on a PA system at right. like a football game. Sure, like a big, you know, triangular yeah. shaped horn, and you could turn that on and off. But the thing is, is nothing was grounded out there. <laughs> so when you would go to turn it oh, off, no. you would get zapped. You would go, pow, and you would get popped. <laughs> and that thing kind of sucked. It didn't sound very good. Uh, it doesn't you know, my sound buddy, like it. My buddy had a Marshall, of course. Yeah. You know, and, and I had this, this custom thing that sounded like dog shit. It was kind of a bummer. <laughs> and my guitar wasn't very good. It was a single humbucker, like just Ibanez. It was not great. But you can appreciate. This I can type appreciate, of music. And, I, and I really this type of music. Yeah, I mean, I grew up, up with this it. stuff. This is yeah. what my dad was listening to on eight tracks when I was growing oh, up. Wow, was you know listening to Van Halen, listening to Panama and Jump and Hot for Teacher, and yeah. you know as as time went on, and I can't drive fifty five from David Lee Roth oh. and all these other songs, and and all this stuff is really really um, 
I don't know what what you would call it. It's really positive. You know, we were talking earlier about how the it's music's like, really it's positive. It's like silly, happy rock music. It is. It's happy, and it's it's party. You can tell yep. these guys are having a good time. They're probably on cocaine oh, yeah. or a myriad of other mixtures. Well, of if drugs. you watch any of the music videos, you're like, yeah, you, you have to be on you cocaine. You have to be. It's just as sweaty and jumping around as you are. You have to be. And it, it definitely is a period of time in my life where this stuff was on all the time. <laughs> and obviously, I don't um, I don't listen to it anymore. You know, it's just not something that's necessarily on my radar. Although I did pull the vinyl out for you and we listened to it a little bit. Yeah, I do have out. I do have 1984 on on vinyl. But um, yeah, well, yeah. Bes- besides being a legendary musician, Eddie Van Halen was also a big hot rod and overall car guy. In fact, his modified Frankenstein axe guitar combined the sound of a Gibson Les Paul in the form of a Fender Stratocaster, which was much like putting a Chevy engine in a Ford, right? So the music industry subsequently adopted the term hot-rodded for any of these similar type of, like, modified instruments. We used to, because we were so, like, poor kids, we used to screw around with stuff, too, changing out pickups and and trying different... We tried all kinds of different I stuff. I just like never we knew were, the story behind that guitar. Like, you know the the iconic paint scheme. Or yeah, it's, it's red, it's with, red the, with the black, the black and, white. and white stripes. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of cool. His car's over the years included the infamous Van Hauler custom Chevy 1500 pickup, which actually had a complete Corvette drivetrain and running gear, along with the infamous red and black and white paint scheme, same as his guitar. He also had a fully built pro touring style 1970 Chevy Nova. This thing was like tubbed out, full drag spec. You know what's funny about that paint, sorry, that paint scheme is if you look at that paint scheme and you scheme and you listen to the music, I guess I would call it a guitar livery, right? It Something, is a livery, you for know, sure. Or, or you know, just from a car point of view, they all the other Porsches that he did and the and the you know the Van Hall or whatever, it looks like the music sounds. <laughs> it really it's does. Just, when, it's just a party. Like if that guitar existed on its own in the corner. You'd, it, it you would, would be know emitting. what type of music that plays. Exactly. That's not exactly. a jazz guitar. No, that's absolutely not. not. Yeah. yeah, That's a good point. Yeah. So he had the Van Hauler. He also had that Chevy Nova. He had a 47 Dodge cab over truck. I love those old things. He had a 56 Chevy Nomad, a supercharged Audi R8 in the mix, several Porsches, including a GT3 RS, a 993 Roof Turbo, a Ferrari 550, and last but certainly not least, a Lamborghini Mura, which is featured revving in the song Panama. Yeah, we're running a little bit hot tonight. I can barely see the road from the heat coming on. Reach down between my legs. Ease the seat back. Now, what's interesting about this is I don't know if I want to, like, stick my arms up my wife's skirt or drive a car after listening to this. I mean, it's, it's just, I think it's I want to, yeah, I want to take my pants so, off and drive. <laughs> <laughs> and we were kind of joking about this earlier. We we're like, well, what is, what is this song actually about? What is Chris? this song about? Cause it, you it's can either, like, there's definitely a lot of like sexual innuendo, yeah, like pistons but pumping and the steam's coming off of it. Car, it seems yeah. like depending on which strain of Van Halen lore you subscribe to Panama is either the name of uh, David Lee Ross, 1969 Obel cadet caravan wagon or a drag racer he once saw named the Panama Express, or a stripper, or maybe all three, or it could be a combination That's perfect. of all of those. Anyway, 
rest in peace, Eddie Van Halen. You know, we all, you know, we, we talk about a lot. We're all going to die. And it's very sad for, for him and his family that he passed away so early. He was only 60, I think. 65. 65 years yeah. old. And but the but leaving a legacy like this is in terms of that music guy lived yeah music and his family and everything else it's it's it seems like his kid is a pretty good dude too yeah so good good like for it. him great legacy for Eddie Van Halen and he will be uh, he will I guess he won't be missed because we always have his music he'll to, be to cherish he'll be remembered for yeah. sure so Chris certain cars it seems are more prone to being fined for speeding than others, right? Yeah, the Porsche, gotta be Porsche, gets the most speeding tickets, no, I'm sure. No, definitely not. A new study has discovered which models are most likely to be driven by overzealous owners in the United States. So the study found that 10.5% of drivers in the U.S. have a speeding violation on their record. Does now, here's my question about this. Okay. Does okay. this mean, like, after a several number of years, a speeding ticket will basically not show up on your record anymore, right? Right, I don't... So does this mean it's just like it's still on your record or 10% of the population has only ever gotten a ticket? It's on the record currently because that's that probably all That's sense. all they can statistically look at. That's a good point. All right, so here they are. Is there a direct correlation 10. between um, vaping and speeding tickets? There most think? certainly is. <laughs> okay. Okay, so keep in mind, 10.5% is the average across the board. Double that. only only ten percent of the people have a speeding ticket on their record. Yeah, that's, that's really I, impressive. I agree. So what you meant to say is ten percent of people have gotten caught speeding. Yes, okay. exactly. <laughs> just, let's be clear. Uh, yes, no. So double that, Chris. Subaru WRX drivers. Twenty point four nine percent of people that drive a WRX have a speeding ticket on their record currently. That leads me to believe that one hundred percent of Subaru owners have a speeding ticket. Because if one in, <laughs> if one in five got caught. What are the other four and five doing? Probably. Well, you're saying they all speed for yeah, sure. Absolutely. One in five, though, have yeah. a speeding ticket. You run out of vape juice. You got to get You got to run out of vape juice. You, you got to get, get over to the smoke shop quick, man. Absolutely. Uh, next on the list is a Volkswagen GTI at 17%. Yeah. That's, that's, it's the hot hatch. Yeah. You know, you got to have a good time. Uh, third on the list is the Impreza. Subaru Impreza. So that's the WRX wannabes, basically, at 15.9%. What do you mean WRX wannabes? These uh, are... It's just an Impreza, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. They're just... It, it's not the GTI, because the GTI guys don't get caught. They're apparently. just worried that they're not going to beat the WRX guy to the vape shop. Yeah, you're right. Because they just don't have the power. <laughs> Next on the list is the Infiniti G37, also 15%. Dodge Dart is right there at 15%. I don't even see that many Dodge Darts I, around. I don't either, but, you know, I had... I had great hope for the Dodge Dart. Imagine if it was rear-wheel drive. It would have been great. Imagine. It would have been great. You know, you had the Challenger and everything like that yep. and the Charger. And then you... It's not... Here's the problem, though. It doesn't even fit in the lineup. Like, it doesn't... It's not styled like the rest of those cars. I know. If it was just a smaller version of a throw... Because the Dodge Dart is a cool car. Like, if you look at back at the Dodge Dart... Yeah, I smaller. had a 1970 Dodge Dart. They're smaller than a Challenger and a Charger oh, for and all sure. that stuff. Yes. But this thing looks like... Looks like a Chrysler. Exactly. Kinda, you know, it's it a mini Chrysler. What is what is this thing Sarah chassis with? Uh, it's it's Italian. It's part oh, of the Fiat is. group. Oh, it is. Okay. Well, they come. Well, that's why it's not rear wheel drive. Right. Exactly. That. I mean, I used to see the commercials of. You see the commercial. I remember seeing it for the first time. Seeing the Dodge Dart drive through. It's like driving through town, like driving really fast. And then you see it go around a corner and drift, and the rear wheels are locked up. And I remember going, "Well, that's it." Oh, it's dumb. It's front wheel drive. <laughs> uh, next on the list is the Hyundai Veloster. At 15%. Again, don't see many of these. Dodge Challenger, it's on the list. 
15%. Dodge Ram, 2,500. The 2,500, <laughs> not even the 1,500. <laughs> this is the heavy-duty truck gets speeding tickets. And then Dodge Charger, of course, is on the list. And last but not least, the Nissan 350Z. Not the 370, Chris, mind no, you. the 350. The 350, because those are cheaper, of course. And those are all way, way above, as I said, the national average of 10.5%. So have you ever gotten, uh, gotten blinded driving around your Lord car? Oh, all the time. It's just your eyes are on fire. Yeah, like you these ever- old 911s we have, it's like it's at the level. Your rear view mirror is exactly at the level of a normal car's headlights. It's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. Have right. you ever been blinded while driving around in a regular car? Probably. Ford is recalling over 217,000 of its popular F-150 pickups because their headlights may be so bright that they reduce visibility for other drivers. And I've flashed my lights at these guys yeah. with these F-150s, and, I, and they turn the bright lights on. And, and I'm, you're like, ah! I'm basically immolated in the car, right? I just turn into a pile of ash because their headlights are so bright. No, you know the scene from uh, Indiana Jones? Where they look at the thing in the yeah, box and yeah. then they just melt. No, no, it's not the thing in the box. The guy drinks from the wrong chalice. You're thinking of Raiders of the Lost. I'm thinking the Raiders of the Lost Ark, where they oh, open yeah, yeah, yeah. the ark. Yes, and they all just melt down to the bone. Which that's, one am I thinking of with the cup? That's the later, Holy Grail. Yes, that's the Holy Grail. Yeah, where he's you have chosen poorly, oh, poorly, that and the guy just wrong. basically turns into like nine thousand years old immediately. <laughs> yeah, that's how that's how I feel anytime I drive behind or have an F one hundred and fifty driving at me. Yeah, the recall involves F one hundred and fifties from the twenty eighteen through twenty twenty model years that are equipped with optional LED headlights. The problem stems from the headlight switch software. When oh. drivers turn on the low beam headlights manually, the switch fails to also dim the daytime running lights. As a result, both are illuminated at the same time, so the lights can be too bright for other drivers, resulting in the risk of a crash. Okay, let's not get carried away, okay? <laughs> so what that's you told what's to blame, dr- Chris. What Anytime you get in a crash, it's, someone else's it's fault. obviously the it's F-150. The F-150. Oh, did you that's, see that F-150? That's great. When I get pulled over, sir, do you know how fast you were going? No! no! <laughs> the damn F-150 The F-150 was right there. I couldn't see anything. I was blind. It's actually a really good idea. Yeah, it's never, go. never going to work. Nope. Um, the problem doesn't occur when the switch is left in the auto position. Okay. Ford hasn't said when it will contact owners of the recalled vehicles. But when ready, dealers will update the software to fix the problem free of charge. When ready, they're not going to do it now, but eh, we'll, we'll do, get it, around do it, it eventually. Yeah. Sometime. Yeah. Next up, we have a heartwarming story for you. Joe Basil Chevrolet was visited last Thursday by a 104-year-old veteran, Clint Johnson. That's got to be World War II. Exactly. Yeah, those specific details of his service weren't shared. The fact that he's 100 years old, and also he had a 20th Air Force cap on. So, yeah, you can deduce that he served in World War II. Johnson actually showed up to the dealer intending to buy a new 2020 Chevy Sonic. But the dealer staff were so appreciative and kind of overwhelmed by this guy that, you know what, they're like, we're going to give it to you. They gave him the car. They gave him the car. You know what's even better is that the dude's 104 years old and he's looking at buying a brand, yeah, brand new, car. new car brand new car most guys would have lost their license or their keys 30 years prior to this and yeah, this guy's some... like yeah i better go out and buy a new car <laughs> a chevy sonic though yeah it seems kinda... like yeah what about uh you, you imagine all these old dudes buying buicks like that's the that's the car that you buy like a Buick. no he's he's certainly in Mercedes territory Chris oh god great <laughs> Jake is referring to uh, on Monday's episode we asked uh, Klaus Ludwig who is the the king of the Nurburgring king of DTM yeah German racing driver that drives uh, the 190e yeah what and, what he thought of yeah it's 
never gonna this is never gonna end, is it? <laughs> All right. So uh do you know the Crown Vic? Of course. One thing I love about the Crown Vic is no one else drove them other than the police. Right. They were very identifiable. You knew very. after your first year having your license, actually before that even, you could recognize those Crown Vic headlights and running lights from miles away. Miles and miles away. You knew. You 100% could be, yep, yep, Crown Vic cop right there. Cop, cop. 90% sure it's a cop. And the thing 90% is, sure. Yeah, because no one else was driving them. And no. if they were, they were driving the Mercury Grand Marquis, which was a little bit different. Mm, but you can't tell until it's too late. Yeah, that's probably <laughs> true. But I'm just saying that most people were driving the Mercury if they were going to buy one. They weren't yeah. buying the car. Oh, exactly. And I remember just always being able to just be like, oh, nope, oh, slow down. Oh. Yep. It's and either a cop or a taxi, which there weren't really any taxis where we're. Yeah, we did, there's no taxi. So. Um, or it's someone who bought it off a police auction and pretended to be a cop. Which was fun when i had that cop tahoe that was <laughs> that was always fun it's just people would just slow you know what down you do is put problem like, is they don't get out of the way because they think you're a cop oh of course move yeah yeah no um, especially have you seen the guys that put like the amber construction light bars God, on the top so of crown vicks that would be so good <laughs> as of september the california highway patrol has officially retired all Ford Crown Victoria police interceptors from its fleet. The few remaining cruisers were celebrated by the department and given a proper send-off, marking the long-deserved retirement Wait, for retired platform. What is this send-off? Quote, Today at 5 p.m., the California Highway Patrol will officially be retiring the iconic Ford Crown Victoria police interceptor. California Highway Patrol Crown Vicks have been patrolling California's roadways since 1984. Wow. Thank you for assisting California Highway Patrol in providing the safety, the level of safety, service, and security to the people of California. And everybody at Chevy is like, well, I guess that's the end of that because now everything's Dodge, right? They're all Challenger Chargers, aren't they? Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's that's the police fleet. And then you have the Ford Explorer. Why are they saying that at Chevy? These are Fords. Oh, you're right. The Ford. <laughs> good grief. Good grief. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Well, Ford, also Ford. Yeah, I guess Ford didn't get the car contract. But I was just thinking about the Ford Explorer, which right. is those things look pretty badass. Yeah, they're they not look bad looking. fairly menacing, don't they? They're, they're not bad looking. Oh, this reminds me of a story that you probably didn't hear okay. from the rally. We're going to rewind back to the rally this weekend. And I okay. just want to share this one little anecdote yeah. is one of the participants drove from Philadelphia all the way out there. And unfortunately, her car broke down in the middle of Wisconsin. Yeah, throw-out bearing decided to eat itself. Exactly. So rather than missing it, though, she got a rental and decided to come along. Yep. And I remember our good friend Glenn. He was in the back of this pack, and he said they were they were moving it, driving spiritedly, we'll say, through sure. some of these roads, and all of a sudden sees this Dodge Journey just come up on them hard, slam on the brakes right behind them. All he can see in his rear view is it's then Dodge. the person grabs a walkie-talkie yeah. and starts talking into it. And he's like, crap. It's over. It's an undercover cop, and we are all done. They're bringing reinforcements in. They're going to tag us all. It's all done. <laughs> Until they stop at the next little rest stop and regroup. And he's like, oh, um, who are you? It's the rental. It's the rental. It's the rental for the girl And I car heard this down. from several different people that they nearly uh, soiled their seats. So her car was broken down, and she actually was uh, hanging out in town for a little bit. So I went to... They actually came and visited the podcast studio yeah. and went out to lunch and stuff. And I let her drive the 911. Yeah. And we stopped at a stoplight. I look up and she she was driving fairly conservative till that point. And, yeah. you know, she probably didn't want to break the car. Well, or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's you know whatever. And I said, hey, now is your chance to get a speeding ticket in Minnesota. There's nobody in front of us. Why don't you just go for it? And she did. She like <laughs> oh, that's in third awesome. gear over the bridge. And I look behind us and there is a Dodge Charger <gasps> full tent with a mirror 
and basically a, a light bar, and you can see it. It was a, and I went, <laughs> holy crap, she's going to think I was serious. And I was like, <laughs> Oh, you planned it, this? Yeah. You're no, but it was ended up being a, ended up like, being a, there's a speed trap. Yeah, yeah it's a oh private citizen, so it was all good. Uh, so it was only a matter of time before this would come. I think they, the Panther platform ended in 2011. Um, police officers are switching to more modern platforms, like the Ford Police Interceptor Utility, which is based off the Explorer. That's yep. the one that I like. The Taurus Show, which oh, I've never true. seen. I have seen, seen a couple of those. Yeah, I haven't seen those. And a Dodge Charger for years. For yeah. what it's worth, the LAPD, not California Highway Patrol, even tried the BMW i3. <laughs> 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 I can see where this is going. High speed pursuit. Oh, crap. We ran out of battery. Yeah, exactly. Uh, although, for what it's worth, those i3s are being retired as well and are up for sale. Tesla has dissolved its PR department. Wait, what? The move has been confirmed to electric at the highest level at Tesla with the source saying, quote, we no longer have a PR team. That doesn't seem good, Chris. Uh, well, Where'd you get the source from if they don't have a PR team? I guess, how do you even get a hold of them anymore? It was one of the guys they let go that was on there to PR Keely Silprizio, the last person known to officially be in charge of PR and communications at Tesla, left the automaker in December last year to join Impossible Foods, which also sounds like another really difficult PR job. <laughs> yes, it does. Well, isn't that, I think that's like the Impossible Burger. That's the non-meat-based burger. Oh, how perfect. Yeah, she'll fit right in over there. I'm sure. Well, they don't have panel gaps and cheeseburgers, so that's probably not going to be as good. Uh, yeah, probably Following not. Following her departure, virtually every member of Tesla's PR team either left or moved to other positions at Oh, Tesla. so it was voluntarily. Voluntarily. It's not like they shut down their PR department. Can you imagine having to do PR for Tesla? Hey, what's with your panel gaps? Hey, why did your car explode? Hey, why did your car run over people? Hey, why did your car run into a fire truck? Hey, why did your network crash? Hey, why are you saying your car is autonomous ready when it isn't? Oh, my goodness. It must have just been So brutal. everyone just quit they're like we, we're fed up with this we, we can't, can't do it deal with i don't PR. know that's just what i'm surmising honestly it's a really arrogant move by a company with an enormous ego we don't need a pr team so you're not going to see pr teams are who in it interacts with the press right. so when i call a manufacturer to get information or want to yeah. find a guest to come on the podcast you gotta I go call through pr, PR. Yep. tesla nothing mm. there so basically what are we, there's no pr team no pr team for tesla because they are so fucking full of themselves it's ridiculous that they feel that they don't need a PR team for which to interact with the media who basically talks about their cars to the public. Not I good. don't know. Not good. All right. So Massachusetts has recently decided they are in charge of who can actually work in your car, Chris. Right. So millions of dollars are being spent to woo Massachusetts voters over a ballot proposition, not about taxes, drug policy, or labor laws, but about how your car gets repaired and who is allowed to access your car's data. This November, Massachusetts voters will vote on a, quote, right to repair initiative. Question one, that's the name of the the bill or the law. Oh, or sure, sure. That would establish the car manufacturer. Question one, that's not a very good name. For, no, it is not. For something, it's not very catchy. It doesn't tell you what it is. They would establish that car it's better than Proposition 6938B. It's about as good. It's about <laughs> the same. Uh, that car manufacturers have to permit vehicle owners and independent repair facilities to access a car's diagnostic data. Now, we know that this has been a problem for guys with tractors and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. Can't, the can't egg industry. Yourself. Yeah. Supporting question one is a coalition of auto parts stores and independent repairs who are say they are being left behind as auto manufacturers choose who can be authorized to access the increasingly complex computerized data. Supporters have contributed more than $21 million to get question one passed. Wow. Opposing question one is a group of auto manufacturers, including GM, Ford, Honda, Toyota, and well, Nissan. Of 
under the umbrella of the coalition. See, they've got their naming stuff down. And anytime you hear names of any of these agencies, any of these groups. There was a PR firm involved. Yes, but it's think of the opposite. Okay, okay, so, I so want what, you, is, what is the name? The name is, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the name as the opposite of what it is, and you tell me what it actually is, okay? It is the Coalition for Dangerous and Insecure Data. <laughs> safe and Secure Data. Chris. Yeah, it's the Safe and Secure Data. <laughs> <laughs> the Coalition for Safe and Secure Data. That have con- they have contributed more than $25 million to defeat the effort. Of course they have. And do you know why, Chris? Tell me. It's all about the money. If all these independent shops are not able to work on their cars, guess what? It's only the dealer. Yep, and that's where Sorry, they make ma'am, a big amount of money. We got to come into the dealer here, and well, it's five hundred dollars even to put it up on the lift, ma'am, and then to use the code reader to they, clear this code. It's another five hundred dollars. They say it's because they don't want you to have access to information like remote locations, telematics, technology, GPS tracking, stuff like that. But can't they just compartmentalize exactly that data from the when you data plug need in your to- OBD two scanner right now? It's not like you can see where their GPS has been. Well, that's what well, that's what they're saying can happen. Okay, they're saying that auto manufacturers and there was this whole thing about th- there was a uh, a video that was explaining what could go on and it was this like dark dingy mechanic that snuck up on a girl. <laughs> no, I'm serious. This was something that they were this is an ad that they ran like a political oh, ad. It was this dingy mechanic yeah. came and the basically grease monkey. Yeah, he basically so came and honest Chris. He All mug, those mechanics. He mugs the chick in a parking ramp because he had He knew access, where she was. Cuz he knew where she was. And, which is just slanderous it's awful yeah that is bad right it's not gonna happen no now all i have to do is follow you home or okay i got your address on the invoice for goodness right. why I mean, does it matter now auto manufacturers are controlling who can access or receive this wirelessly collected data which gives them the power to pick and choose who can repair cars regardless of what consumers might want so this new ballot initiative will require that automakers starting in 2022 have an open access data platform for third parties mm. and owners to see their own data I don't like either side of this, Chris. I don't like the regulation saying you have to build a product to this spec because that, in theory, reduces innovation of how they could, whatever they're going to do. I also don't like it that this company gets to say you only need to service your product, in this case a car, at these locations. I'm okay with with uh, with manufacturers wanting to protect the, the data of... Their the, intellectual property. It's IP, right? I don't care about that. It it shouldn't it's is it because once you buy the car you own it that's your car. Well, that's the big. Do you, I don't remember that's signing the big a, rub. I don't remind remember signing a EULA in user license agreement when I bought the car. Do I have to sign a EULA? I wonder if when you go into your nav system and they hit accept if that's what you're doing. Signing a thing that says you we turn over all your yep. children to the yep yeah. Um, so this fight has turned into a massive fear-driven campaign. Question one, supporters say the car makers are trying to force consumers to go to car dealerships, which they yep. 100% are, exactly. and pay higher costs. Auto manufacturers insist this is not true and that there will still be plenty of choices for car repairs. I don't like this. I don't like it at all. I'm I, sorry to say, but any any either political fight or any sort of issue like this, follow the money. Follow the money, 100%. They put $20 million into doing this. You bet their ass they want to change your brake pads at the, <laughs> at the dealer. And they want to that charge you. That is an you. expensive brake pad service, that Chris, <laughs> for $20 million to be sucked into it. That's, I mean, wow. Th- I really think that the whole model of, I've, I mean, we've talked about this before, but the whole model of how you maintain your car is going to change. 
right? Because you used to go in for scheduled maintenance for oil and everything like yeah, that. Yeah, with an electric it's car, gonna you're not going to do that. They want you to only come to the dealer. This is going to become a really contentious issue as, as time goes on. And think about like just the regular shop down the road. How is he going to do anything with your um, your your automated system that no, your, you cru- your adaptive cruise control and Even stuff like that? Even if he's allowed to... It, Joe Blow isn't going to invest in whatever like $30,000 yeah. module you need to plug into the Tesla to fix your active driving, whatever. Right. System. And plus there's probably, I think there's got to be some sort of calibration for the, the self-driving stuff. Right. Think about it if you have to like remove the bumper for just a little like, uh, you know, a fender bender. Okay. So well, then now you, you have need to, to realign the LIDAR? sensors. Yeah, I imagine. So there's probably, I'm imagining that there's a room in which there's a known <laughs> where, where they Why, not, where's it what is this room tell me about this room chris what no no they, they turn on panama uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> no it's, I'm, I'm just imagining there's a, like a room with like uh so when you calibrate the lens in a camera uh-huh and you do it right there's like a a specific piece of paper that you use that has lines ta- drawn on okay. it that helps you focus your camera at a given distance i'm guessing there's probably a room or some sort of the uh, uh, thing, what is it called? Where the car goes on, not a hoist, but some sort of jig that the, a jig, a jig that the car goes onto, and then there's like a wall that's a known distance, known entity, known shapes, known sizes, so that they can calibrate the lidar to work or the radar or whatever system it is that they're using. That way, it's the same because it's all calibrated on distance, right? And if it's not measuring correctly, you could get in an accident, and there's a huge amount of liability. Sure. So I'm assuming that there's got to be some super expensive system that's used to calibrate. I have a feeling it's a lot more simple than that, and it's like some sort of just electronic telemetry that calibrates itself. But I'm sure there's a system involved. Yeah, for sure. Moving on, Chris. Do you know? Do you remember H2O? Yes. So H2O International. I never did. And you know, you know, it was called H2O. It's because back in the day, Volkswagen shows were traditionally the air-cooled guys, right? Right. Yep. And so all the water-cooled Volkswagen guys, they well, we're gonna have the water-cooled show and call yeah, we're it talking H2O. 90s. Yeah, we're talking 90s yeah. when, this, when the show was kind of conceived. And, of course, it kept growing, and it kept growing. And in the last decade, it was just it's not gone a downhill. Volkswagen show. Yeah, so basically what happened is it, it was so cool, right? I mean, yeah. it's, it's held out in Ocean City, Maryland, which is this huge resort community, and there's a... There's a four-lane, I don't want to say highway, but there's a four-lane road that goes for miles and miles and miles and miles. Up and, and down miles. the island, basically. Up and down, the, basically. Yeah, right on the ocean. Yep. Great road, super smooth. There's hotels everywhere. There's stuff to do. There's food. And it's always held on the the last, I think, the last weekend of September. And there was always a big car show. And this was, if you went and... If you were in America, there's also Waterfest, right? Waterfest was always kind of the... Was that the West Coast thing? No, it was on the East Coast, but it was always the... the You know, Volkswagen car culture was always kind of East Coast feeling. But so Waterfest was kind of the performance thing. There was a track, there was a, oh, know, interesting. a I didn't quarter know mile track, stuff like that. And then HGO was like the the, the, scene. the floss, the, the show cars. And you would go and you would drive around. And I remember taking Jess's car there. And driving around, having a good time, but it was kind of at the inception. I've been twice. Okay, once with uh, it was in 2005, so that's 15 years ago, and then probably another mm, five years later, I went again with with Jersey, the the uh, the Mark One Rabbit that I built as a yep. show car, and it, uh, there was a distinct difference between those two years. Interesting. 2005. This was actually the year that this. Oh, I wish I could remember this dude's name because he made himself famous. He imported an S3, and it was at. Um, it was at a, a dirt racetrack. It was like the something Downs racetrack. And okay. it was like a, 
uh, it was a track where um, the Spartacus things, like the little chariot. Chariot like, races? Chariot races, yeah. Spartacus, chariot race, the same thing. And you Wait, would, I've never heard of modern-day chariot races. This they, is a thing? This is a thing. They had chariot races there and horse races and okay. stuff like that. And then the, the show was held in the, the grass parking lot. Okay. And this dude took his S3. He was wasted and went and oh, drove around no. on the dirt racetrack, okay, and made a fucking ass out of himself. <laughs> they got So they got kicked out of that racetrack. And right. that, when they he got kicked out of that racetrack, That's when all, they had to move the show, yeah. and they never found a good place for it again. And then all of a sudden, everybody started showing up in their 20% ticketed Subarus, and, <laughs> and they start, and it just turned into blow-up dolls out of sunroofs. It and was just... It was a race to the bottom, because this is right around the time when forums were really popular. Yep. And Facebook was, and social media was starting to become really popular. So it was, and it was just a the race more to, outlandish you could be, the 100%. more ridiculous, that got you instant online fame, whether fame. it's on the forums and I remember or the social car, media. And I've actually tried to have this guy on the podcast because I really want to talk about it. It was the Camber car. So it was this, huh. there was this, this white rabbit. Okay. okay, is this white Mark One Rabbit? And I think that this car was kind of the beginning of the end because yeah. it became like, holy shit! Look how much attention this guy is getting. Yes, because it it exploded VW Vortex, which was the forum at the time. Yep, and it blew up social media. Okay, this thing was. And now all of a sudden we have a new formula, Chris. It's we not about formula. the cleanest, the most high no. quality build of a car because that got it's, way less attention yes, than the guy who was a just total douchebag. The ridiculous. So what this guy did is he modified his. He took the you know so on a Rabbit you have a a McPherson strut in the yep. front and it's got a bolt on the bottom and a bolt on the top of the knuckle that sits out of the bottom of the strut. They're about an inch apart. Okay. Again, you adjust your camber by rotating an eccentric bolt on the bottom of the, the bottom nut on the strut. Gotcha. Okay, so you're moving the spindle in and out. Yep. Okay. So the camber is tilting in and tilting out. This kid takes the lower bolt out okay. and basically has like four degrees of negative camber in the front. <laughs> okay, and the rear is a beam. It's just a straight beam. Did he just bend the beam? No, he took the uh, put a bunch of washers behind because oh, you basically geez. have a you have a spindle with yeah. that, that that the bearing sits on, and it's a drum in the rear. Yeah. So he basically put a bunch of washers behind it and canted the 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 rear spindle, spindle out, out and just drove around like that. And the <laughs> cops pulled him over, and he got tickets, and he continued to drive around. Yeah. And eventually, they impounded the car. Yeah. And from that point on, it was a total shit show. That was the end of H2O, that car. And this it's not to say that it was that car's fault. This was kind of a shift no, but in like movement we said, in general. Now we have a formula for here's how you get instant yeah. internet fame. It's just an easy way to identify what happened. Yeah. And this was there was uh this was the beginning of how shitty can my car be? How how low can it be where I'm just destroying things? Yep. Where I don't I don't give a shit. I'm just, you know, I'm not gonna I'm gonna be the counterculture to yeah. the the guys that build it nice. Those guys have money. I don't have any money. I'm gonna just drag this thing around and I don't give a shit. So why are we talking about this today? This is via Ocean City's official website. More than one hundred participants of the weekend pop-up rally were arrested charged with various criminal and traffic offenses. Despite experiencing minor issues during the day, hundreds of participants became unruly and destructive in the evening hours. Now, this is dated September 27th, 2020, so this right. is just last week. Yeah. Incidents throughout town progressed from social gatherings to unruly and violent behavior among the large crowds, specifically in the downtown area. At approximately 11.50 p.m., Ocean City Police made the request for the second wave of allied law enforcement assistance. Assistance arrived from across the eastern shore to help the crowds, disorderly conduct, and assaults. Jeez. It's out of control. It's not a car show anymore. Quote, 
Oh, <laughs> as I say that, quote, this is not a car show, and the majority of these visitors are not car enthusiasts, stated Ocean City Police Chief Raza Baruzzo. And I kudos to him to basically say, like, look, this started as a car show, but we're not we're not putting all this on car guys, right? These aren't car guys. These are just idiots. Quote, they're here to disrupt, destroy, and disrespect our community and our law enforcement officers. Our policing philosophy is to be friendly, fair, and firm. Unfortunately, the disorderly behavior and unruly crowd left no choice but to shift our philosophy and take additional steps to protect our officers and our community. At the time of this release, OCPD officers were still on the scene of several incidents. Additional information will be released at a later time. Now, here's what they did. They basically considered all of this strip area an event space. They cordoned it off for that week to be a special event space. And what that means is they can ticket you for any instance. Let's say you did a burnout, right? Mm -hmm. So now you get a ticket for reckless driving and maybe unintended wheel spin or something that is set. But what you can do if that's an event space, it tickets like it's a construction area. So now okay. you have those two base tickets as well as like inflated fines for each offense. Before we that get in, did. I want I'm we've got a one ticket here. One guy got like a zillion dollars. But before we get into what he got charged for, I just want to say this is what happens when you have a bunch of un you have a small unruly group that then it kind of snowballs, right? Right. All of a sudden, instead of being one person committing a crime or being an asshole. You are an anonymous part of it's a mob bigger mentality. It's mob mentality. It's exactly what's happening with you know all the riots around the country. You're just one guy in an anonymous group doing whatever the fuck you want because it gives you a rush. Yeah, that's all it comes down to. But and also, this you don't seen, you don't feel personally accountable either if you're part no, of a mob. No, you know, well, it's not my fault. It's just you know, it's everybody was everyone doing else it. Was doing this right? Yeah. And how would your mother? <laughs> would you oh, jump off the bridge if, if everyone, everyone else was, was doing Chris? it? All right, so this guy got a ticket for driver spinning wheels, seventy dollars. Driver motor vehicle in manner driving <laughs> driving motor vehicle in a manner intended to cause skidding. Ooh, that's a two one 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 seven B. Driving motor vehicle in a manner intended to cause excessive noise, reckless driving, negligent driving. What's the difference between reckless and negligent? I'm sure there is. A so you could be intentionally reckless, but you're. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yep. So this guy doesn't even know what he's doing. It's just negligence. <laughs> he. I'm sure you could fight that one. Driving. You'd be both reckless and negligent. Yeah, it's very tough to prove that. Uh, those are five hundred and ten dollars. Okay. Five, uh, reckless is five ten. Wow. And negligent is only one forty. So if you're negligent, it's much, it's much better than right, being because it's not intentional. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so driver engaging in exhibition driving within a special event zone in Worcester County. Now that's the one you're talking so about. So that's why I'm explaining what I think they did with yeah. the special event this zone. A thousand dollar ticket. See. Yep. Negligent driver under 21 within a special event zone in Worcester County. $530. Just stacking them up. Driver skidding, spinning wheels, causing excessive noise under Worcester County special event zone. So again, the same ticket as above, but during the special event zone. Yep. Uh, he got three of those. Four wow. of those. Four of those. So for a total of $3,900. For basically doing a burnout. For basically doing a burnout. You know where this money would be better spent? Supporting the show at patreon.com over. <laughs> I love it. Yes. I, think, I think that would be a way better place. What's to, interesting to, too, during this article, it didn't really transfer to this format, but someone posted a screenshot of ways. They brought in so many officers from surrounding communities to basically just quash this before it happens that every single block along that strip has a cop on it on so, just about every four corners. So now the thing is, is that this is no longer a show. Nope. Uh, I actually know the moderator of the H2O International 
Facebook page we talk on Instagram from time to time. He says it's absolutely out of control. Yeah. It's, well, and that's why they I tried like... to move the show to New Jersey. Okay. Nobody wanted to do that because every, now everybody wants to do this. They want to shoot fireworks at the cops. They want to do see. Burnouts. That's the they problem. Want... And so there are a lot of these guys that still intended on going to this unsanctioned event this year in their modified cars, whatever else. They were basically just given a ticket as soon as they roll into town, right? Because they're like, no, the cops. Honestly, I'm fine with that because yeah, all of this are just so assholes. Much. It used to be where you were just, you would, they had, so the format was you'd have all these get togethers. You'd have the Mark one get together. You'd have the round headlight get together. You'd have the VR six get together. You'd have the, the R 32 get togethers, the Scirocco get together. And they'd be all over at different places. And as a guy that maybe didn't have as cool of a car, you could drive around all these little get togethers and see the cars and hang out. And then you'd kind of cruise to the next one. And it was kind of this cool thing where you could drive somewhere and experience something and see the different cars. And every once in a while, yeah, you'd maybe race somebody or something like that, but it was never anything as lawless as this. this right. Is, and it is lawless. They're literally launching fireworks at police officers in the middle of the street. It's, it's bad news. All right, guys, subscribe to the podcast. If you have not already, we would really love that. So you can listen to all of our great content when it comes out, uh, leave us a review. That'd be great. We've got had a lot of great reviews lately. And I really, really we love to hear that. from you. We'd love to hear from you guys. Um, sign up for Patreon, patreon.com slash overcrest. We'd really appreciate the support. That's right. Uh, we will see you guys on Monday right. with Klaus Ludwig. It's an amazing interview. Amazing interview. He's like, like you said, he's the one that raced with the Whittington brothers. Yeah. And won at the 1979 Le Mans. It's a great story. We really look forward to sharing it with you guys. All right. We'll talk then. In the meantime, take care. Bye-bye.